So just before we get to the list of our five movies for the spooky season, I just wanted to come in and give you guys kind of a preview of what we got going on for the month of October, the spooky month, the spooky season. So our main episodes this month are going to be Madman, Hereditary, Trick or Treat, and Clive Barker's Hellraiser. How's that for a lineup? And also we are going to be giving you our Halloween party playlist that is five songs that should be on every Halloween playlist. Every Halloween playlist. 20 songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll have quite a few people on on that episode. And uh, like, like I said, five songs each and some honorable mentions. Uh, with that, we will be creating a Spotify official playlist for your Halloween parties. Then we have a Horrifying the Host, a special Horrifying the Host. With Arsenic and Old Lace, a classy movie that has some Halloween themes. We will have Donnie Darko with my buddy Jack. An interesting Halloween movie. A lot of people don't think about that movie when you think about Halloween, but it absolutely is. A little bit off brand with the horror, but it's a trippy fucking movie and it should be a good, uh, good listen. And then finally, for Halloween week this month, we will do our... Brothers Grimm official Halloween franchise ranking. That's every movie of the Halloween series ranked by Brothers Grimm. Our list should be pretty different. Uh, And then a live, special live commentary of the original Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm just playing. Of the original 1978 classic Halloween done by me and producer Kate. That should be really, really fun. So tune in for that. We have a lot of special stuff coming for you guys for October. So stay tuned and stay spooky. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding. I just can't take no pleasure in killing that Welcome to an ultra special edition of Horrifying My Friends. This is the first edition of Brothers Grimm, a brand new segment to Horrifying My Friends. Uh, joining me today is my loving brother, Donnie Ybarra. Hello. <laughs> brother of creature, Donnie Ybarra. So what we have for you today is a list of the five movies for the spooky season. It's not necessarily like our favorite movies for the spooky season, but kind of like five movies to get you primed for the spooky season. If you're listening to this, this is dropping October 1st. So we are right in the fucking midst of the dark season. So is it five movies each? So it's like five movies each. I see. see. And we're going to have honorable mentions and stuff at the end, kind of like we do the music episodes. Now, one thing right off the bat is... You will not see any Halloween franchise films in this list. We both agreed that you could probably comprise a list of strictly Halloween films. Like, I don't know if that's true for you, (laughs) but it's definitely true for me. 
like no it'd be like number it'd be like Halloween one, Halloween four, Halloween three, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and also no trick or treat. Also no trick or treat. Trick or treat is I, I feel like was too easy. Like it was originally on my list, but I was like, Yeah, that's that's way too easy though. Like we just covered trick or treat. Uh, that'll be dropping as you hear this, that'll be dropping in a few weeks, closer to Halloween. Mm-hmm. But that is a an essential, and um, yeah, it's it's not even close. Like that has to be on the list as well. So on the music episode, we kind of did like our favorite kind of memories of Halloween. So what was it like growing up in the mid '90s, you know, late '90s Halloween for Donnie Ybarra, stealing Dad's car, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was a very interesting time because I think I did a lot more when I was in high school. When I was in uh, middle school, I think I was still kind of, you know, giving candy out and kind of just having parties at home and not really doing much. And of course, we would all as a family watch movies all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in high school, I think I was working, I had my car, I had my first car, which was a 77 Cadillac DeVille. And it was a giant <laughs> of a car. And so, you know, as a high school kid with a car and a job, you know, I had spending money. And so, you know, we were out in the in uh, parties. We were we would go to raves, and which was a pretty big thing in the late 90s. Mid-90s, <laughs> late 90s was going to raves. And a lot of raves outside of Halloween uh, season were, you know, dress up like they're in costumes pretty much and, you know, be who you want to be. So... I think um, when Halloween actually got to us as ravers, we just went all out. And I remember one party where I had wore like a chain around my neck and I was like swinging like a club and I was like painted red and black from head to toe and had spots (laughs) on my shoes. And it was just like a crazy night. We were all dancing, you know, on these boxes like at a bar and we weren't supposed to be at a bar, but we were at a bar and yeah, so I mean, the 90s were cool. I remember some of the 90s. I don't remember other parts of the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting time because I think it was a lot of that transition to before everything sort of became corporatized. So a lot of the parties were thrown that weren't sponsored by anything. I mean, a lot of the raves that I'd seen in the 2000s and, and from on, were there was they were sponsored by like, you know, Svetka or sponsored by this. So it was a lot of really gritty kind of just thrown together parties in these factories or whatever. So it, it was cool. It, I was glad to experience that. And I was glad to, you know, experience the softer side with you guys too, as a family. And mm-hmm. I think family, we always went out on Halloween. We always decorate early and do lots of things as, as a family for Halloween. So as we get into this list, what we're kind of going to do is I know you've uh, listened to some of our lists before. What we're going to do is start with number five, and then I'll share my number five, and then your number four, number four, and then we'll count all the way down to number one, and then we'll kind of give a recap, and then hit everybody with our number one. Now, are yours in like a particular order? Because mine was just like a five. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't go based off of favorability. I just went down a list of kind of what I would would watch every season yeah for sure like the first one i have on here is not my favorite one of them but for sure memorable to me for sure so with that being said 
Bub, hit me with your number five. All right. So number five is uh, one that probably a lot of people don't know about or they've seen it and they're like, oh, why is it on your list? It's called The Pumpkin Carver. Carver with a K. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be watching some like awesome things when they change the letter of a name of a word that doesn't exist, right? So hold on, my cats are going crazy. So this movie came out in 2006. This brief synopsis is last Halloween. Alec decided to dress up as a masked killer and scare the daylights out of his girlfriend, Lynn. Unfortunately for him, Lynn's brother, Jonathan, took the joke seriously and stabbed Alex to death with a pumpkin carver. The sea, this Halloween, will not, will not provide much of a respite from bloodshed. Although they have moved to a new town, brother and sister soon find themselves fighting for their lives against a very familiar masked murderer. <laughs> Ooh. Right? So, you know, it sounds, it sounds fun. Um, it's a very, very middle of the road I would actually say that this movie, um, because it's a 2006 movie, it wasn't it wasn't an exciting time, but I would say it's more of a, a giallo, like a giallo movie with slashy with trashy slasher movie tendencies. Like, and if you've seen it, it's got like a, a very odd yellow kind of plot, and there, it's very nonsensical at times, so you don't know what's happening. So I think that's where I got that comparison. I think the reason. Have you seen this movie? I don't, I'm not sure if I have or not. I, I'm sure I have, but it, it would have been around that time. Like I probably would have watched it with you like around that time. I think we detailed it on the music podcast, but one of the, one of the things, my, one of my favorite memories was always going to your old house over on the, towards the South side. And we would like do double features and stuff. So if I saw it, I would probably have seen it like on one of those. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a low key direct to video, um, direct to DVD feature you would see in like a blockbuster or Hollywood video. Like it, it it doesn't stand out. See, so this came out 2006. I seen it probably like 2008, 2009. I was a freshman in in, in college, and I I was over at Dad's soaking up the Wi-Fi, and <laughs> he was watching this. It was like on one of those sci-fi Halloween marathons, and. Yeah part where this melted face pumpkin mask dude is like talking to this guy and it's very strange there's like these very fake electric currents coming out of him or whatever and I was like dad what are you watching you know and dad was like oh just some crazy movie and we started watching it together and we were just laughing at like the nonsensical plot and it was like crazy and silly and it just it just reminds me of that time that we kind of you know discovered a movie that was silly around Halloween. So I, I pulled it out last night and I watched it again just to see how it stood up. And it's a little silly, of course, there's bad acting, but it, it's fun. It's a fun movie. The people are, are like carving pumpkins in the movie. They're like at a pumpkin fest and there's like a punk band playing and it's just, it's, just, it's a body count movie, but that's number five on my list, The Pumpkin Carver. For sure. And I was looking that up and uh, one of the movies that I thought of was Jacko. And I, I, I don't know if that's on your list or not, no, but, but it's, uh, a, it's a fun movie. <laughs> I was looking it up on Amazon, and it was like $49 for the DVD. And I had it in my car and was checking out. And I was like, am I really about to pay $50 for Jacko? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably would regret it, but it's also a fun movie. And it's really, really <laughs> bad and cheesy. 
I should say producer Kate is here. So producer Kate, feel free to chime in on whichever ones you've seen or whatever. Like, you, you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you're not, you're not obligated to. I have not seen this one, but I was actually looking it up just where people could stream it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like you can get it on Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon and a few other places. Um, so it's definitely not one of those that's unavailable. Yeah, for sure. A good little chilla is what it sounds like for sure. Okay, so my number five is Silver Bullet from 1985. This was one of my late editions. I was telling you all week, I was kind of struggling with this list. I was like, fuck, man, I got to have a werewolf movie on there because werewolves are my favorite, uh, (laughs) like, monster. Like, I I talk about that all the time, too, to Katie. But it's like, werewolves are just my favorite monster. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know, like, I... Like I know um, you have wolf energy. I have wolf energy, is what Katie said. <laughs> but I I mentioned to you earlier in the week, like American Werewolf in London was on my list. But I was like, I need to go a little bit deep cutter. And this movie isn't loved by everybody. Like it's not. Like there's some like cheesy stuff to it, and a lot of people are like, it's based on the cycle of the werewolf by Stephen King, of course. And a lot of people, you know, like that I've read the book and stuff are like, yeah, it wasn't the strongest movie, and you know stuff like that. Directed by Daniel Ateas, starring Corey Haim, Gary Busey, and Everett McGill of Twin Peaks fame. And a synopsis. In a small town, brutal killings start to plague the close-knit community. Marty Coleslaw, his name's Coleslaw, a paraplegic (laughs) boy, is convinced the murders are the doings of a werewolf. So I'm not sure when the first time I saw this was. It would have had to have been with Dad or you... Or something like that. But I I remember always loving Gary Busey in this movie. Like, I think his portrayal of an uncle that just sits around and drinks and shit all the time. But knows what's up. Because at the end of the day, like, he helps out Marty and stuff. But his portrayal is just so awesome. And I actually read, like, a little trivia. Like, Stephen King and stuff wrote lines for him. But they were like, Gary Busey is ab-libbing all this shit, and he is so good. We're just going to let him do whatever he wants to do, basically. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he plays Uncle Red, and he's just, like, drinking and playing cards with the boy and, like, all this other shit. Do you remember when we first saw this, though? Because I'm sure it had to have been. Like, oh, with- yeah. I mean, we were really young, probably. I remember seeing it as a kid, and I remember watching it with you as a kid. And, I yeah, I think whenever you were crawling as a baby, you probably watched it with Dad and I because – I agree with you about Gary Busey. Like he kind of reminds me of our our uncle Freddie. Like (laughs) when he would like come over, him and Nana would come over and they would watch us while mom and dad went and did whatever. And it would be kind of like that vibe. Like let's, we can do whatever we want. We can watch whatever we want. They're not really watching us. Let's just, you know, be kids. Very volatile. (laughs) Exactly. But Freddie was just that type of guy. Like he still hangs out with dad. And like uh, the a recent story that was hilarious with him was he was doing some work with Claudine down the road, and uh, go with me with Claudine. You know, you gotta you gotta realize what part of town we're talking about. Um, but he was doing some work for Claudine out back, and uh, Claudine's son, I guess, went to the backyard, and he was like, "Claudine, you realize that Freddie's in the back smoking dope." <laughs> but I guess Freddie was just smoking a joint back in the backyard, like. But that's just the kind of guy he is, man. He is, like, funny as hell. He tried to fight Logan when Logan was, like, eight. He was out in the road with his shirt off trying to fight Logan. And Logan would have probably beat his ass. But <laughs> So, for anybody wanting to watch Silver Bullet, 1985, 
version, you can rent it for $2.99 at the moment as we're recording this. I don't know if that will change in time, but um, you can rent it on YouTube, Vudu, Google, iTunes, um, but it's not on Amazon. But anyway, just so you know, if you want to go and watch it anywhere. Yeah. Have you seen this? I have not. Yeah. You would really enjoy this. This is that Scream Factory joint. But that was my number, what was that, number five? Mm-hmm. Bub, your number four. Number four, Night of the Demons, Ooh. 1988. So the synopsis is, teenage outcast Angela Franklin and her friend Suzanne are throwing a party at Hull House, a mortuary, listen to this, a mortuary abandoned from its gruesome past and rumored to be cursed by evil spirits. While attempting a seance, obviously on Halloween, right? They oh. accidentally release a demon locked in a corium that begins to possess them one by one. So this movie is the epitome of a very fun movie to watch with friends, watch by yourself. It's funny. You know, Angela is an awesome horror icon in the horror community. She's went to star in two of the sequels, and there was even a remake, um, which she was not in, but um, it was not as good, of course, because she wasn't the, the villain. Sure. I think it was actually Shannon Elizabeth who part, which definitely didn't work. But it's set on Halloween. Uh, funny. There's like, you know, very distasteful nudity and there's gore and it's like got an awesome like punk rock vibe and Angela rocks. And that's why I, I enjoy it. And it's directed by Kevin Tooney, who has also directed some of my other favorites, uh, Witchboard, Witchboard 1, Witchboard 2, uh, Witch Trap, which is not related, uh, The Cellar, which is a very good creature feature, and Pinocchio's Revenge. And um, yeah, so Night of the Demons, it's an awesome um, demon-possessed movie. Uh, it's one of, the f- one of the few 80s movies that actually has a final girl, and spoiler alert, a final guy who spoiler alert, is a person of color. So it was kind of fun to see that because all the kids in the movie kind of, you know, looked like kids and they were kid age. So it's a very awesome movie and it's a punk rock movie and that's definitely why I picked that uh, Night of the Demons. I know you've seen it for sure, right? Oh, yeah. So I did a quick search and it looks like you can rent it on Vudu for for pretty cheap and iTunes. Um, and I don't know, like, I'm just doing a quick Google search. So some of these could be on Shutter too. So I don't know. I'm not checking that because I'm doing this on the fly. But mm-hmm. you can always look there for any of these, sure. Oh, I'm, for sure. I'm sure that at least a handful are on there. For sure. Uh, that, yeah, that's a staple, man. That was a ri- that was uh, in the running for my list, for sure. That's like, like an absolute Halloween staple, though, for sure. Like, you have to watch that movie around this time of the year. Oh, yeah. And then and the sequel. The sequel is hilarious too. I mean, when you see a, in the sequel containing a nun that has a whole uh, nunchuck montage, you know you're in for some good entertainment. Yeah, as you mentioned, Kevin Tenney, man, great director. Like Witchboard is awesome too, so check that out. So my number four, going to ruffle some feathers a little bit maybe. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003, directed by Rob Zombie. Starring Sid Haig, Sherry Moon, Karen Black, and Bill Mosley. Synopsis. I know Andrew Bolt's like rolling his eyes right now. Synopsis. Two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas searching for urban legends of murder end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. So my connection to this is this was one of those like early movies on DVD that I kind of, uh, when I was really getting into it in high school... 
uh, like I said, with the help of you, like your double features and stuff like that. And I really found my love for this type of horror. Like we talk about it all the time. I more gravitate towards like the seventies, like shock, like cannibal Holocaust, like Texas chainsaw. But I think that this movie, if, if, if no one has revisited this movie in a while, I really do think that there's a case that this is zombies like most rewatchable movie. I think Devil's Rejects is his best, but there's like an 80s, like low budget vibe to this one that's really, really cool. And I know we've talked about that before, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think, you know, like I, like I go back and forth with Rob Zombie as a director and I've rewatched, you know, a lot of his other movies, not this one, but other ones. And they, they don't hold up to, for me, but this one, I think always did hold up. It was the first one that I saw. It just has a lot of things happening that, you know, you have the kids that are in the, in the storm and they're at the house. And then you have like all these weird music montages. And it was, it was pretty experimental looking when I first saw it. So I, I really enjoy it. I think, yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely his best movie. And I think it's very cool that it's like, aesthetically, it's very colorful and, you know, the violence is, is very realistic. And he goes balls out with this one. Like, and, and that's one of the things that I enjoy. Like I know with the trilogy, this Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell, this is by far, like by far the most sci-fi and like out there horror. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cause then you go under the tunnels and it's like Dr. Satan and all this other shit. And I'm like, dude, I need you to go there like all the time. Cause that shit was all cool. There's this big mutant that's like chasing them around and shit. And it's like, it's just so like bizarre, like and out there, like it's almost like a comic book kind of feel to it. But yeah, if you haven't revisited that in a while, um, Katie, where can you find that? You can find that on Hulu, YouTube, Voodoo, and of course, um, iTunes, Google Play. That if you buy stuff for like your devices and stuff. But um, yeah, that one's pretty widely available for sure. It also stars a uh, a young uh, Dwight K. Schrute, which I don't really know what, what's his name again. Rain Wilson. Yeah, Rain Wilson. <laughs> Rain Wilson's in that movie, which I watched the other day, and I was like, who the fuck? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that yeah that movie, man. You, like people need to revisit that movie again with the mindset of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, Motel Hell. Like it's like right along. If that would have came out in like '85, then I think everybody would have loved it and stuff like that. But yeah, that is my number four. Number three, I'm gonna go with a newer one to me, and it's called The Barn from 2016. Synopsis. It is Halloween 1989, and all Sam and Josh want to do is have fun on Halloween and raise some mischief before they graduate from high school High school next year. They decide to go to a concert only for a detour to result in them discovering a deserted barn. However, unbeknownst to them, the barn that they have come across has a deadly curse attached to it, and soon the teens find themselves at the mercy of three monsters, the Boogeyman, Hollow Jack, and Candy Corn Scarecrow. This Ooh. one is a... Very fun throwback to the 80s Halloween movie. It's set on Halloween. Uh, there's, you know, this whole vibe going on about trick-or-treating and this mysterious barn. And it captures the 80s very well with the tone. It's not overly silly. It's not too serious. It has a lot of moments with the cast that are really genuine and kind of feel like one of those like emblem movies from like the 80s or 90s where you, you kind of are rooting for the characters. They're not, you know, despicable or hard to watch. Like it, it's, it's a cute, fun um, group of kids. And then it's contrasted with these three monsters who 
like you, I love creatures and I love, uh, you know, the creature carnage. And a lot of the scenes in this movie, especially when they're like at one of the Halloween parties, it really surprised me what uh, just director Justin Seaman was really, was able to do with such a small budget. And so I, I really love this movie. He's working on the sequel right now. I actually reviewed this movie for Brothers Grimm when Brothers Grimm first started. Brothers Grimm, we put that together Facebook page like maybe six or seven years ago. Um, this was one of the movies that I got, I think in 2015 to review, uh, just through an email. And I watched it one night. And after it was over, I was like, I should have been taking notes. I should probably rewatch it. So I just rewatched it all over again. I like loved it that much. Like I said, it, it, it's got a good throwback vibe. It's not cheesy or disingenuine to the, to the, to the decade. Uh, the soundtrack's great. It features one of my favorite rock bands, Rebel Flesh, who still is out there doing really good rock music right now. Um, and their song Harvest is featured in the, in the movie. And they actually just came out with an album recently, which is really good too. Yeah, I, I love The Barn. And what do you think about it? I, I really, really dug it. I think I, I like that movement during that period. I, maybe even still going that and the guest and maybe even like your next, like the Adam Wingard stuff, the Ty West stuff, like House of the Devil, like stuff like that, that kind of is a throwback. Like you, you, uh, you're really focusing on these elements of the eighties and stuff like that. And really a big emphasis on the soundtrack. Um, what was that one? Um, the sleeper, like, uh, like all those kind of like throwback eighties movies. I really, really dug that. But yeah, the barn is just like a fun movie, man. It's like, like you said, it's like a creature fest, Halloween fest. And it's a, it's a really good pick. Like I, I really like your list so far. Cause yours is kind of like the, the deeper cuts. And whereas mine is like some of like underappreciated, maybe like uh, bigger cut movies. But yeah, I think we got a good solid list going, but I love the barn for sure. Looking forward to the sequel because uh, it, it should be coming out next year around Halloween from what I've been told. And I watch and follow Justin online and I see like the scope of what he's trying to do. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for him as a director. I think he's really got it. Yeah, I was going to say, I have not seen this one. I it's I suspect I haven't seen any of the movies on your guys' list. <laughs> but anyway, um, you can watch it on Vudu, uh, Amazon Prime, Tubi. And again, don't forget to check out Shudder and some of the other places. I mean, d- during sure. October, even the major networks will put on lots of, sh- lots of movies too. So keep an eye out for the barn. Number three for me is Toby Hooper's The Fun House from 1981. Another one that I struggled with. I had my list put together, and then I was like, how the fuck do I leave off The Fun House? Because The Fun House is, first of all, starring Elizabeth Baridi, Sean Carson, and Jack McDermott. Uh, Synopsis, four teenage friends spend the night in a carnival fun house and are stalked by a deformed man in a Frankenstein mask. Loosely based on the Dean Koontz novel of the same name, like very loosely based. There's just something about this movie. I got to throw out a, whatchamacallit, what word am I looking for? Um, I want to bring up Kevin, Kevin Colhafer on uh, Facebook. Because me, you, and him like go a few years back with our love for this movie. And it's like really, really like funny how th- how three people can fucking love this movie. Like this underrated, underappreciated underseen movie like so much like like i said i think we covered it in last last week's uh madman or whenever you guys hear madman with robert hodge 
but a 1981 slasher like i'm not sure how it was released or whatever but it's way under the radar now like no one really talks about that movie as much as they should i don't feel like in the setting like the creepy carnival and that mutant monster in there and shit like it's so spooky like i don't know i think i just saw it at the right time like this was another one that i caught in high school and it just hit me like Kind of like House of a Thousand Corpse did. And I'm like, I fucking love that kind of movie where like these kids are doing something they shouldn't be doing for sure. And going into some place in the middle of the night and they see something that they're not supposed to see. And shit just starts, they just start getting picked off. And that's like my favorite kind of movie. But Bub, what did you have to say about the fun house? Yeah, well, it's funny that you put this on the list because it is one of my, it's my favorite Toby Hooper movie. Um, I know that you... Texas Chainsaw is yours, but this one is my favorite of his, and I agree with you that it's definitely one that um, it checks all the boxes for me for uh, the setting, the killer, the ultimate reveal of what he actually looks like, and the story. It's 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 all there for me, and it's the ending is just so iconic with him and her and the final girl. And I think it's funny that you picked this one because our aunt Alice, she. She had a lot of VHSs. Um, so she had Dr. Zhivago, Alice, Sweet Alice, and The Fun House. And she had those at uh, Momal's house. I think you remember watching it as a kid because we those were the three movies that were always playing when we were over at Momal's house with Nana. Oh, yeah. Nana had all kinds of, like, uh, like, like you, you were bringing up. Like, I, I always remember the Child's Play 2 VHS that she had. And it's like that iconic him with the big scissors. Like, I fucking love that cover, even to this day. Like, that's one of my favorite covers ever, like, for a horror movie. All right. So, yet another one I have not seen, and I suspect a lot of you haven't. Um, You can find it on uh, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Vudu, a lot of the same places that all the other ones can be found. But um, give it a watch. All right, bub. So, what are we on right now? Your number two? Number two. Oh, boy. All right, so number two for me is definitely a throwback for us. Um, it is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow from 1981. So the brief synopsis. Bubba, an intellectually disabled man, is falsely accused of attacking a young girl. Disguised as a scarecrow, he hides in a cornfield, only to be hunted down and shot by four vigilante men. After they are acquitted due to a lack of evidence, the men find themselves being stalked by a mysterious scarecrow. So this is one of those movies that it's, um, it really hits close to home because it's one that I remember when it premiered um, on TV, not in 1981, I definitely don't remember when it premiered in <laughs> I remember when it premiered um, in the late 80s and then in the 90s dad and I and you when we were young we used to uh, you know we were our mom was a CNA on the weekends so we had a lot of time on the weekends and when we weren't you know doing whatever we would do as kids uh, we would watch you know movies and we dad would get a whole bunch of VHS tapes from the store like you would buy like a five pack from Kmart and they were recording VHSs so we would record movies off of the TV and put them onto VHS. And we had like a huge uh, cabinet full of all of these recorded uh, movies. And I kind of wish we still had them because um, there would, this would take you back. So we would record this on TV and you know, there's commercials. 
and we hated commercials. So we'd be pausing for the commercials and then we'd push record when the commercials would be off. So it was a very, it was commitment to try to get that movie recorded. <laughs> and there would be all kinds of commercials that would seep into that. So you'd be watching these movies and then, you know, whatever kind of commercial would come on or dad would be like, hey, grab the remote. Like you gotta push record cause it's on. And so you'd get like these half-assed like movies we'd be watching. But it was cool because that was something that we were all doing. And if even you were pressing record or you'd be like, okay, Travis, we're going to go eat or grab the food, press record when we come back and you, you would do it. So it's just funny that this was one of those ones that we really watched a lot on that VHS. And um, we watched it. We used to watch it every year. And it's one that dad still watches, I think, every year. For me, I, I, I like, I love the movie. I think it's a very cool concept because you have these men that you know there's a mailman and there's like I don't know it's like the YM it's like the village people like there's like a mailman there's like a meat cutter and like all these guys that are like douchebags in the in the town they live in small town and they take out Bubba and they think they are um, you know helping their town by forming this militia and taking out the bad guy when really they're the bad guy and so he comes back through the guise of the scarecrow and what's cool about this movie is it's very slow burn. It kind of acts like sort of a slasher, but you don't really see Bubba as the scarecrow. Um, you kind of you kind of know he's there, and you see the shadow, and then. So spoiler alert: we're going to talk about like what ultimately happens at this movie. If you don't want to know, even though there like there is a twist, but the twist doesn't ruin the movie. Like the t- twist makes the movie. So if you don't want to know that skip ahead you know 30 to 40 seconds and you'll be in the clear but yeah j- definitely check out dark knight of the scarecrow is an awesome awesome movie there's a really cool part iconic part at the end and you finally see the scarecrow you know that's a spoiler alert obviously i mean I, i'm dropping them left and right here a, four, but... a 40 year old movie so <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the scene's so iconic because he comes to the girl after he saved the little girl and he gives her a flower and he looks at the camera and that's when you see him as a scarecrow and it was so touching and sad and yet there was all these emotions attached to that scene and I think it's like one of the the better um, horror movies out there to be honest and um, yeah it's definitely and scarecrows are my favorite fall Halloween decoration so I think it's definitely one that I always bust out every um, October and, and put it in. What do you think about it? It's been a while since I've seen it, but that uh, that was originally on my list. I saw it was on yours, so I was like, all right, I'll let Bub have that one. I'll pick something else. But yeah, Dad is like obsessed with this movie. Like Dad, no joke, like Dad watches it literally every year. Like Dad really, really loves the movie. It's a really fun movie, and like Bub said, it's a really heartwarming movie and heartbreaking movie because you realize that this dude is innocent. And these, he is re- literally going back and getting retribution against these guys, and then doesn't hurt the kid in the end. In fact, he like they like hold hands or something after he gives her the flower or whatever because she he was legit her friend. So yeah, it's a really like a heartbreaking and heartwarming movie and a perfect movie for this season. But Kate, where can we find this? You can find it on Amazon Prime, Tubi, uh, Sling TV if you have Sling. Uh, and then you can rent it on iTunes. All right. Number two, The Fog from 1980. So this was one that I definitely, 
Definitely. This was the first one on my list. Well, the second one on my list. But this was one of the first movies that I thought of. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, of course. Starring Adrian Barbo, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, and the silver fox himself, Tom Atkins. Synopsis. An unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly 100 years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. So this movie's about a curse, and this fog is rolling in. Uh, Adrian Barbo, with her awesome, awesome voice, plays like this uh, radio DJ stuff up in this uh, lighthouse, and she like does this radio show. And like I said, this fog starts rolling in, and some of these scenes, like the theme of this movie, is so fucking good by John Carpenter, and it just throws me into this time of the year. connection to this film like this was one of the I think not last Carpenters I saw but I was definitely like I saw Halloween you know the thing um, they live and then when I saw this like I liked it but I think this is the movie that has grown for me the most in his filmography after the thing I think I think it's this one for me like I think this movie is so creepy and the first kills in this movie, like when those guys on the ship and that fog rolls in on them and they're like, what the hell is that over there? And the, you know, like who's standing over there? And then you see that knife go into that dude's back. And then there's a hook that goes into the other dude's fucking back. And you're just like, holy shit. But yeah, a cursed, a fog rolling in. There's something evil in the fog. The tagline on the poster, lock your doors, bolt your windows. There's something in the fog. And, like, I just fucking love this movie. But, Bub, did you have anything to add about The Fog? Yeah, I mean, it was it was on my list, too, which is funny because it's one of those movies that, like, the whole setting and the whole atmosphere, it just, like, permeates the movie. And it, you can't help but, like, want to watch this, like, on a, like, cold, like, rainy October night and, you know, near Halloween or just any time in the fall. Like, it's... It's a very cool movie the score is amazing and I definitely agree with you like after the thing it's definitely my favorite of John Carpenter's movies and I think I agree too like it's not one that like I loved it as a kid but it wasn't one that I always I, I thought about until I watched it as an adult and I really had grown to appreciate it and I like too that um, Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis is in the same movie even though there's not a lot of of interaction or I don't even think there's any interaction with them too. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure there is. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't think they even interact at all. I don't think they have lines. I think that's one of the funny trivia things about it, but it's, it's just an awesome movie and it's, the story is very cool and the story is more thoughtful than a lot of horror movies about what's happening, why the fog is happening in the town. So mm -hmm. I have some choice. I definitely agree. So you can find the <laughs> so you can find the fog on uh, Amazon Prime, YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. All right, it's that time for the number one selection. 
So before your number one, march us back down your five, four, three, two, one, and then reveal your number one. All right. So I picked number five for the Pumpkin Carver 2006. Number four, Night of the Demons, uh, 1988. Number three, The Barn, 2016. Number two, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, 1981. As you can see, there's like a pattern here. It's like 80s, 2000s. Like, I'm very much a, a fanboy of 80s and, you know, I'm, I'm bad about my 70s horror, but I think that you went in an interesting path with your 70s love. So I'm glad that you like that. It evens us out as Brothers Grimm. <laughs> so my number one is one that I struggled with. I mean, it's not my number one, my favorite on the list, but it's one that I kept switching around because there was a moment where I had, you know, another movie on and then I was like, nah, I really want this one. It's called Satan's Little Helper from yeah. 2004. So Satan's Little Helper, on the afternoon of Halloween, Dougie dons his blood red devil costume in expectation of a fun-filled night. But when he hears that his beloved sister Jenna has found herself a boyfriend, he throws a tantrum and flees the house. Dougie befriends a man in a devil costume and helps him decorate his lawn with fake corpses. Unfortunately for Dougie and his family, the corpses, much like the murders that will punctuate the evening to come, are all, all too real. So Satan's Little Helper, it's one that I definitely discovered a lot later. I think I discovered this in like 2005, 2006. I was you know, shopping at Hollywood Video, which is, you know, the, the evil um, competitor of Blockbuster Video then. I, I just seen the cover art, and it's just a Baphomet-masked dude holding a pumpkin that says Satan's Little Helper on the pumpkin. And I was like, how could I not rent this? Like, it looks like trash. I have to rent it. <laughs> and then I seen that Jeff Lieberman directed it, and I was like, oh, he's pretty he's pretty good like he's directed one of my favorites from the 80s just before dawn which kind of predated wrong turn if you've ever seen that movie um he directed blue sunshine which is a very psychedelic trippy ass horror movie um and squirm from the 70s which is a very crazy movie about worms basically taking over a town so he's got culty kind of vibe uh, already but I wasn't prepared for what I saw in Satan's Little Helper. It's a it's a dark comedy horror movie. I mean like the synopsis says like he's helping this guy who is basically he goes trick-or-treating you know in the daylight of all times of the day. He's a serial killer and he's just cleaning the town up. He's killing people and he's using their bodies and he's decorating the yard and then all of a sudden Dougie, who has this weird fascination with his sister, is playing this video game that's that who the hero in the game is a devil. So he like immediately like bonds with the serial killer and they just like create chaos in the town. And Dougie thinks that it's kind of part of the fun until it's not and until it's close to home. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely funny. It's dark. The killer he wears the, you know, he wears the Satan, the Bethlehem mask, and then he plays games with them, and he, you know, pops in with a Jesus mask all of a sudden, and, you know, that's when things get really crazy, so it, it's a fun, crazy cult classic. 
What do you think? I remember that being, and I, I've, I of course discovered that because of you. I think we watched it over at your house. I, I really thought that that was like a really, really fun movie. Like I remember that being hilarious at times. It's kind of like has like an Uncle Sam vibe to it, like that kind of, that kind of flick, like a little bit like lower budget, and really, really funny. Uh, is what I remember that, but yeah, that one is definitely like a a deeper cut. Like you're having some beers and pizza, and you want to just watch something that's like really weird and really fun. But I, that's what I remember from that movie. Katie, where can we find that one? So you can find this one um, on YouTube. You can rent it on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, Tubi, Sling TV, Amazon Prime. So a lot of places. Especially considering I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, it's got an iconic cover. Like everyone that uh, perused the video stores, like Horror Fiends in the mid-2000s, remember that cover and seeing that. But yeah, that movie's like really, really fun, man. Like like I said, I love your list because it's kind of like a deeper, uh, uh, under like an under-level cut. It'll give somebody like five movies that they should see but maybe haven't like especially dark knight of the scarecrow satan's little helper stuff like that okay so my number one uh, first of all my number five silver bullet number four rob zombie's house of a thousand corpses number three the fun house number two the fog and number one i kind of spoiled it with my shirt uh with cavity colors my shirt <laughs> uh pumpkin head from 1988 uh, late 80s flick directed by effects master Sam Winston. Synopsis. After a tragic accident, a man conjures up a towering vengeful demon called Pumpkinhead to destroy a group of unsuspecting teenagers. So this is starring Lance Henriksen, of course, Jeff East, uh, John Aquinto. This movie I remember growing up, it was kind of like a dark scare, uh, the Dark Scarecrow entry on your list. Like, Dad always used to watch this movie and shit. Like, I think because it involved, like, witchcraft and shit like that. Like, this is one of the other um, quintessential, like, Halloween movies for me. Because it's literally, like, Pumpkinhead. The effects on this uh, stand up to this day. Like, Pumpkinhead looks fucking amazing in this movie to this day. Like, the recent Scream Factory Blu-ray is one of the, like, must-grabs, I think of their like line, like any movie that they've released. I think that's like the, one of the must grabs. And maybe we can do a video of that at some point, like must, must have Blu-ray conversion from DVD. But that pumpkin head looks so fucking amazing. The blues, the hues of blue, uh, against that, the, like the pumpkin patch and that witch's den. Like, it's just like the perfect, it's kind of like an EC comics, like a little spin, but yeah, pumpkin head, like I said, spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie, it's the guy's son gets, you know, skip, skip ahead 30 seconds, but you know, whatever, I'm not really worried about that. The guy's <laughs> son dies, so he goes to a witch doctor, as you, as you would. He brings forth this vengeful demon to take out these bikers, and the vengeful demon is the pumpkin head. But it's like the perfect movie for Halloween for me. Like, I fucking love this movie. Bub, what do you think about this movie? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, I mean, it's one that I would have put on my list too. And it's, as as we were making our lists, like I went through, like I stood in front of my movies and just like, you know, perused and was like, okay, like I have to think about what I have. And then after we talked, I was like, damn, I forgot Pumpkinhead. Because I think out of 
all of my list and your list, it's like my favorite movie out of all of those. Definitely got that cool like Halloween vibe. And like you said, I mean, Stan Winston, he's the man and he really hooked up the creature and the effects on the movie. And it's got a cool like story. It's like sort of sad and heartbreaking. And then Lance Henriksen is like such a cool actor. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I have the Blu-ray and the Blu-ray definitely rocks. And by the way, the second one doesn't get a lot of love. I actually love the second one too. <laughs> it's not nearly as good. It's, it's nowhere near as good. Don't get me wrong. Like cheesy as fuck, but the second one is still fun, I think. But yeah, it's not, it doesn't hold the same pedigree as uh, the first one. Uh, for sure. If people want to watch Pumpkinhead, you can watch it on Amazon, Vudu, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play. And again, um, since this is the end of the official list before we get into mm-hmm. honorables, Shudder does not come up in like results for like it, where does this stream um, searches on on Google. So make sure you check out Shudder if you have that app. A lot of these I'm sure are on there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I believe Pumpkinhead is on there, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So, Bub, like I said, our official list is done. Uh, let's get some of your honorable mentions, like maybe just like three or four like movies that almost made your list but didn't quite. You don't have to share that many details about them or whatever. I probably won't share many of mine. And then we'll get your book recommendation and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So honorable mentions, uh, Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. Those are always movies that, you know. I've seen those. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Jeepers Creepers, man, is fun. Oh, Jeepers Creepers is great. And I mean, I, I didn't say the third one because it's best not to. But yeah. <laughs> first two is good. Yeah. Uh, I, I got Trick or Treat on there. That's, that's a given. Uh, Hell Night. One that I don't know if you've seen. It's called oh, yeah. 1031. But it's an awesome anthology. Hack I, have Lantern, not, I don't think I have seen actually, that. Yeah. So Hack Lantern is definitely one you would like. And you got to see that one. Uh, the Amityville Horror. And one that you probably may not know about um john carpenter actually helped with this movie i think it was with the score but it's called the terror of hollows eve and that's one that almost made my list and i think you should definitely check it out that's a deeper cut i have not seen that but i remember when they were doing an indiegogo fund and i was like oh this movie sounds awesome it's got practical effects puppetry and john carpenter's involved and then it came out and it's got a nightmare Aaron Elm Street vibe. There's like the kind of like broken up into vignettes. Very cool. Just definitely check it out. Okay, so I just have a few. I I got Creep Show. Uh, Creep Show almost made my list. I love that this time of year. Um, I mentioned American Werewolf in London earlier. I'll also mention The Howling. The Howling is my favorite werewolf movie. Um, I felt like Silver Bullet kind of fit this list better though. Not, and then some like old school ones. Um, I almost changed my list last minute to include like some black and white stuff. So Night of the Living Dead, Carnival of Souls, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Wolfman, which I actually think is the strongest um, universal monster movie. Like I really, really love the original Wolfman. And we mentioned also House of the Devil by Ty West earlier. But as far as those, those would be like some of my honorable mentions. I think like it's pretty, it's good to throw a little black and white out there. Like Night of the Living Dead, as I showed you the early part of my list, Night of the Living Dead was definitely on there. But I was like, I can't just have all classics though. Like I can't go all the way down classics for this list. Because I think people are watching Night of the Living Dead and, you know, Dawn of the Dead and shit like during this time. But they might not be watching Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and The Fun House and, you know, stuff like that. So I was like, that's kind of more what I want to do with this list. 
I think your list is very cool because it does have that like they're not those were movies that came out then that were actually like probably like indie like vibe kind of movies that didn't really do that well but they for this episode we both have book recommendations and this is one like on the brothers Grimm segment i kind of want to get both of our book recommendations like every episode or you know whenever we have one because a big part of what we want to do is like go through comics like we're both avid comics readers we're both avid like novels and short story readers so bub what is your book recommendation this week so my book recommendation um i have one that I just finished and one that I'm starting. Uh, the first one is one that from an author that you actually recommended, Jonathan Jans, and it's the book Wolfland. And I think we're, you were talking about werewolves earlier, and it's funny. I just finished this a couple days ago, but it's essentially a town that is, they're having a reunion, a 10-year reunion, and this reunion is outside, and these kids are just like hanging out, partying and they get besieged by a werewolf. And um, it, it's just, it's a pretty cool book. It's, it's very cinematic, um, Jonathan James. I definitely have some more books of his that I, I bought and I got them from Flame Tree Press, which, which is an awesome um, uh, New York uh, publisher. And yeah, so great book, Wolfland. Um, it's about you know, werewolves and it's also about people in the town uh, coming to grips with um, maybe, you know, being werewolves. And so there is a lot of violence and a lot, and there is a lot of incestual rapey stuff going on. So if you're not into that, then don't read it. Um, but it's good. And he's a good author. So definitely thanks for that recommendation. And one that I'm starting um, now, because it's, you know, close to October, is the sequel to 1987's The Mance. This one's called Torments, and it's by uh, Lisa Cantrell. And it's uh, basically about, first book, The Mance, was about a, a haunted, um, evil, like, sort of uh, fun house on Halloween. And this one is the sequel to that, and it's about that land that is now used for uh, condominiums and what's going on there so this came out in 1990 and I'm looking forward to reading it I haven't read it yet so I was just going to say it's the first time in print and it came out a few years ago so yeah definitely pick it up it's called Torments I love the cover for the manse isn't it like a staircase and there's a pumpkin on the on the uh <laughs> the edge of the staircase or something yeah exactly yeah it looks like the pumpkin has like got teeth and has like become sentient like eating the staircase and this one is essentially an evil jack-o'-lantern on the front but she's a pretty cool writer some of her other stuff and yeah i'm excited for this it looks cheesy and it looks perfect for the season mine is i had the fog on the mind like pretty much all week i have to stop buying t-shirts from cavity colors terror threads fright rags i've bought so many fucking t-shirts <laughs> this week but i just bought a fog t-shirt like my second fog t-shirt um but this is Brian Keene's Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, like I said, I've had H.P. Lovecraft and The Fog and The Mist and like all that shit on my mind. This is one morning the residents of Walden, Virginia wake up to find that the rest of the world was gone. Just gone. Surrounding their town was a wall of inky darkness, casting Walden into permanent night. Nothing can get in, no light, no people, not even electricity or radio or TV signals. 
and no one can get out. No one who dared to penetrate the mysterious barrier has ever been seen again. Only their screams were heard. And for some of the residents turned prisoners of Walden, even the fear of that unseen death can't help them from trying to escape the living purgatory. So Brian Keene, as, uh, as many people know, is like one of my favorite authors like ever. Like I really, really love his stuff. Um, a lot of people know, like I'm not a big reader of King. Like I've read a few King, but I've read like a lot of Brian Keene. Uh, Stephen King, that is. I've read a few Stephen King, but I've read a lot of Brian King. Like Brian's writing is just like very cult, very pulp, uh, very B movie, like seventies and eighties kind of stuff. Like he wrote uh, Earthworm Gods, which I thought of when you re- mentioned Squirm. But he writes that kind of stuff, like that kind of level, like you know, um, very B movie, very fun stuff. But yeah, that's the book recommendation this week for me. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Bub. This is our inaugural edition of Brothers Grimm, the segment on Horrifying My Friends, which will come to you every month, maybe sometimes twice a month. We're not really sure, but it's a way for brothers to connect and talk about the macabre. So I want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> yeah, stay spooky. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at horrifying my friends and on twitter at horrifying mf and at captain creature hit me a line take us a task about our list anything you want always feel free to leave us comments or emails or anything like that like and subscribe wherever you listen but thank thanks as always for listening we really really appreciate it that'll be all this week friends.